Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. We want to break down the throne speech that was yesterday, or was it? Because not a whole lot of news about this throne speech. Vaughn, I guess that's because of what was in the throne speech. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, Simi, it's very nice. Governments always give the press gallery an embargoed copy of the throne speech ahead of time so we can, you know, have our stories underway with all the news in them, which is nice of them to do that. I'm not complaining. Um, however, yesterday I read the advanced text twice, and then I started calling up my colleagues who had the embargoed copies. And going, did they um, leave a couple of pages out of my copy? Uh, did I miss the news, even though I read it twice? And the consensus was no. Even by the standards of throne speech, which usually hint at what's to come without a lot of details, this one was vague, even by that standards. It ran 26 pages, and, you know, there's not much in it. And, and it's odd in one way because, Simi, the government, this is election year, right? The government has already had about an announcement a day from the beginning of the year, and they will go on announcing stuff between now and election day. So it's not like they don't have a lot of stuff to say, but they kept most of it, virtually hmm. all of it, out of the throne speech. And that, I guess, is just the NDP's way of doing things. They prefer the big splash announcements like the one the Premier did yesterday in the morning, stealing his own throne speech thunder, thunder uh, that announcement, BC builds money coming from Ottawa. The federal government's putting up $2 billion to support the provincial program. Okay, yeah, let's talk, let's break this down a little bit more because it used to be that we looked to the throne speech for the big ideas, but as you point out, we have a budget this week too. So is it that they didn't want to scoop themselves? I think that's part of it too. I mean, I think first of all, as I said, the NDP's preference is the big splashy announcement, lots of people on the platform, lots of validators, one story of the day, you get the coverage and you move on and you do something else in a couple of days. That's a big part of the way they do things. Another thing, you're right. So because they shortened the legislature session, the budget is almost flush up against the throne speech and the budget is the dollars, right? So um, they didn't refer to much because tomorrow, budget day, is going to be the big splash. So I think that's the other part of it. And, you know, you go through there and you find hints there, here and there, that you're supposed to translate into guessing what the program is. But when I boiled it down, Simi, I saw two significant, specific announcements. One, we're going to get legislation that will... Uh, restrict bad faith evictions. So this is where you kick your tenants out and say, you know, my brother's moving into the place and then maybe your brother doesn't move in, somebody else moves in and then the landlord jacks up the rent. So that's one thing they're gonna regulate. The other one is they're gonna regulate protests at schools to protect teachers and students. And, you know, <laughs> I looked at that and I thought, what, they're going to preclude the BCTF from picketing the schools the next time they're on strike? No, no, it's not about that. Uh, in fact, the government house leader, Revy Callan, made it quite clear during the news conference that he that followed the throne speech, Simi, uh, this is a tribute to the BC Conservatives. Uh, this legislation is targeting the BC Conservatives 
because their supporters in the government's view are picketing the schools to protest the contents of school libraries and to protest this SOGI policy, which has been added to BC schools. So uh, a tribute to how well the Conservatives have been doing in the opinion polls, the government is writing legislation to deal with them. Hmm. Okay. So I, there's more to talk about here, but oh, yeah. sidetrack a little bit here for me. Speaking of the BC Conservatives, what was this with this back and forth yesterday where you've got Kevin Falcon saying that, you know, he'd be open to a merger and you have John Rustad saying, yeah, not so fast. Yeah, look, I mean, the business community in the province and people who don't want other group, people who don't want an NDP government are just wringing their hands because the historical record is clear. Where there are two center-right parties in British Columbia, the New Democrats win a government with much less than 50% of the vote. It's happened. Where those parties unite into a single vehicle, social credit at one point, BC liberals at another, they've got a shot at beating the NDP. So there's pressure on both parties to do it. And the Conservatives... They said, well, you know, we heard the pressure last fall and we phoned the Liberals up or the BC United up and they said, hey, let's get together and talk. And (laughs) John Rustad, it was a nice turn of phrase. He's getting a lot of publicity because of that, too, said, "Uh, we got a two word answer, which I won't repeat because it would be unparliamentary language. So the listener can guess what that might have been, but go to heck. Well, that's three words anyway. Uh, uh, it wasn't it. I think we can guess. figure out what the two words yeah. were. Yes. Uh, and then, uh, so Kevin Falcon said, no, no, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. BC United is, uh, you know, not ruling it out and all that. But look, I mean, there's one huge problem now. These two parties have nominated a large number of candidates. So if you're going to merge, who's going to be the candidate? That's one of the biggest issues out there. The other thing about it is, um, you know, the, the time was, I mean, I talked to a lobbyist the other day. The time was when the business community could put pressure on the, its chosen vehicle for its support by withholding money, huge amounts of money, $10,000 checks and $20,000 checks. New Democrats outlawed all that. And so the the business community can wring its hands all at once. It's got no leverage anymore over the two parties. So it's up to the parties. And um, I think there's enough bad blood between them that... I don't see the grounds on which they get together. They're, you know, they'll pay lip service to the idea off and on, but I don't think they're going to do it. Hmm. It seems like the news, Vaughn, came before the throne speech. Yeah, they did a mini cabinet shuffle, and mini cabinet shuffles don't usually attract a lot of attention, but there was so little news in the throne speech that uh, this year it did deserve a bit of attention. So uh, the job of being BC's Minister of Post-Secondary Education in charge of universities and colleges has been, uh, well, being filled in on an interim basis since the Premier forced Selena Robinson into resigning. So the new minister now is Lisa Baer. Uh, so she's the new minister, post-secondary education. She's got a busy year ahead of her. She's got to deal with this Uh, federal government announcement that they're going to cut off the number of international students. And of course, international students are a big source of revenue for BC colleges and universities. 
BC government is trying to get Ottawa to adapt the target for this province to allow uh, colleges and universities and schools here to ter- continue to turn out significant numbers, particularly of healthcare workers and skilled workers where we need that. So that's Bear's first assignment. She was Minister of Citizen Services, uh, fondly regarded by the province's news media for having brought in the $10 application fee. If you want information under the Freedom of Information Act, uh, you have to pay $10 up front. And then, of course, there's a whole bunch more fees that follow after that. So it's, uh, it's, uh, she did that. Uh, she pretended throughout an entire session of the legislature that she couldn't say what the fee was going to be because it hadn't been set yet. And then about an hour after the legislature adjourned at the end of uh, the year, oh, yeah. uh, she signed a cabinet order making it $10. So sure, sure, credibility is somewhat suspect, I have to say, because of that. But in any event, she's the new minister of post-secondary education. Hmm, that's going to be interesting, too. And so then who replaces her? Well, that's interesting. This is an interesting one. George Chow. Now, George Chow uh, was in uh, John Horgan's cabinet, but when David Eby became premier, he dropped George Chow from the cabinet. No explanation. However, a few of us noted at the time that George Chow was one of the very few NDP MLAs and cabinet ministers who had not endorsed David Eby for the leadership of the party, even after Eby was the only candidate for the job. So it wasn't like you were risking much by endorsing him. So uh, we all assumed that, uh, okay, George, here's a message for you. You're out of cabinet. George has been languishing in obscurity for 15 months. He's now back in the cabinet. He's the new minister of citizen services. And I guess having spent... 15 months learning a little bit about the dynamic around David Eby, I expect George will be on his best behavior. I doubt (laughs) he's the guy who's going to be getting rid of that $10 fee. Right. Right. Well, because once you've been away from the cabinet table, then you come back. You're right. I think all of them are on their best behavior when that happens. Uh, Let's talk about the budget hints. Like we know that's coming on Thursday, but interesting that we heard kind of the premier and the prime minister say something similar yesterday. Yeah. Premier and prime minister both got asked about, I said, issue that's been rattling around for a while about fiscal restraint. Will there ever be a year where their governments go in order to manage the debt and in order to fight inflation, uh, we're going to actually restrain government spending? And they both gave a similar answer. EB's executive summary was uh, people are in need, government has to help them, And so fiscal restraint is not going to be one of the themes of the budget tomorrow. Well, I mean, Trudeau's government, I don't think, has ever balanced the budget. So that's them. But, you know, uh, people were in need when John Horgan was premier, too. And people were in need when Carol James was our finance minister. And Carol James nevertheless delivered balanced budgets and, in fact, surplus budgets. And Selena Robinson... Uh, even though David Eby dumped her as finance minister, uh, Selena Robinson left behind a $6 billion surplus, which Eby promptly spent. So there is a history in this province with new Democrats of 
even though people are in need, going to manage provincial finances, try to keep the debt within certain metrics, interest payments within limits. Uh, Evie's answer yesterday suggested that it's only, you know, sort of right-wing governments that ever think about things like that. But uh, as I say, John Horgan's government, uh, Carol James's finance minister, they did think about things like that, and I wouldn't put them in the category of being right-wingers. Very interesting. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. That is Vaughn Palmer there from the Vancouver Sun. Now, it is going to be a busy week in terms of B.C. politics, as Vaughn and I were alluding to there Thursday. So tomorrow is budget day. So if the throne speech was light on specifics, we do expect some of that to be filled out by this budget. The reason why this budget is so significant is because this is an election year here in B.C. And so what will they be promising? Will we get hints of what the election campaign is going to be like, what the platform is going to be like? Will all of that be laid out in the budget? We will see. So that is tomorrow. And obviously keep it tuned in right here for the very latest as we will have all of your budget coverage for you. And then on Friday morning, the day after the budget, we will be speaking with the finance minister as well right here on the show. So lots to come in BC politics this week. Keep it tuned in here for the latest.